Well, just to get back to Lauco, really, just because he was the one prospect, we talked to you about him before his readiness, his, um, you know, whether or not you thought he was going to be cracking the NHL lineup. Um, this year, we see him get more time than he's ever had up with Boston. Just thoughts on how the Bruins used him? Um, maybe development you've seen from him in his arc since from you first seeing him in Providence um, to where he ended up now and, and maybe what's, what's next for him. Well, I would hope that he's an NHL player now. Um, you know, I, next year, I, geez, I hope he's a, I hope he can play 60, 65, 70 games on the fourth line or maybe the third line in some situations. I hope that he can achieve a level of consistency, which has, you know, eluded him until now as a pro. Uh, you know, you saw it a lot in Boston this year. He'd play a just a great game, and then you don't notice him for two games. And then he's a scratch, and then he comes back in with another great game, and, and then he fades again. He needs to even that out. Uh, he's certainly capable of that. Um, but, you know, I, I if he's in Providence to start next season or, or at any point next season, unless he's rehabbing an injury or something, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be disappointed. I think he's an NHL guy now. And, uh, you know, he's got to play up to that uh, level. Uh, you know, I think there were numerous times in the year when Monty, you know, commented on, his effectiveness, uh, you know, when he, when he really brought his game. Uh, but there were times in Providence as there have been over the years that he'd have a good game and then you wouldn't see him for three or four games. And then he'd have another good game or a couple of good games. So that there's a theme, uh, here that he needs to change, um, so, but I think he's ready to he's he's ready to be a full time NHL guy, and uh, if he can achieve that consistency, then I think they they have themselves a, a, at least a, an effective fourth line presence, speed, you know, instigating, sticking his nose in. Uh, he can be that guy. It's up to him whether he chooses to do it consistently or or not. But uh, I, I I think. Uh, I think we'll see him up full-time next year. Yeah, I, I, I he has in my mind what I call purposeful speed, useful speed. Like a lot of guys have speed but don't really get their nose in there like you mentioned. And and, and he has he, – he, he skates with a purpose. And he, ha, he, has, he brings an element of not just speed but tenacity and pestiness that – the Bruins could certainly use on that fourth line. And and when he dropped the gloves in that game, it was against, was it against Columbus or Columbus? Yeah. yeah. That was, was against Sweezy. Yeah. yeah. That was something my that boy, uh, my boy, Billy Sweezy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, um, I knew he was a tenacious player, but th- I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if he did that ever in Providence. You, you know better than us, but I just, it was great to see. Like it was a, more, more or less meaningless game for the Bruins. They've already locked up the President's Trophy, and here he is understanding he still needs to make an impact and, and make an impression and spark his team on a night where they didn't have much to play for and whatnot. And I, I would have liked to see him a little bit more in that Florida series, but 
Uh, I have certainly liked what I saw out of him. The consistency, as you mentioned, is something definitely to work on. I think when that's your game, I think it's harder to be consistent than if you're somebody who's out there going through the motions because it's a tougher game to play 82, 82 times a year plus playoffs. Um, I just the biggest question I have with Lauko is who's 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 going on his donut runs when he's with Boston. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to know. Well, I mean, you know, there's plenty of Duncans uh, around the garden, right? Uh, they're all 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 around the block there. So, uh, you know, I once he's in the NHL, I would I would hope that you know maybe he can work some kind of a deal with uh, with Duncan to uh, get them to deliver, so he doesn't have to go and uh, stop on his way to the rink. <laughs> Yeah, he can he can hit up some uh, pastas connections. Pasta, yeah. can, you know, he's done he's done some Duncan commercials. <laughs> they can they can figure it out. Yeah, you know, just just on Lauko, like especially with all the attention on forechecking and how many problems that's caused Boston. And you know, Don Sweeney wanted to, you know, he used the word anxiety on the forecheck. Like they're obviously looking for those guys. And Lauko, we've seen at times like he can be one of those guys with that speed and physicality and. Yeah, if he can bring him more consistently, like that's that's exactly the kind of player they want in the fourth line. So it's 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 right there for him. Like it's definitely a wide open opportunity for him to take a job and run with it. Yeah, I mean it's up to him at this point. Uh, what he does, uh, you know, what kind of summer he has, and 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 all of that. I I uh, I'd be very disappointed, as I said, if he if he ends up back in Providence, and, and I think. He'll have to go through waivers, I, I believe, right? The, yeah. This time yeah. around, you know, I so yeah. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll send him down and risk losing him. But uh, yeah, it's time for him to it's time for him to just uh, put his uh, stamp on uh, on a full time NHL job. Yeah, it, it looks like you know he's going to have the opportunity to, seeing as all of the free agents that are coming up in that in that fourth line role like we mentioned before um so to brian were you ready to kind of switch out a little bit maybe into other topics besides prospects because i did see mark you tweet the other day um something about how the governor of connecticut um was trying to get the whalers trying to get the arizona coyotes to come to hartford um I don't know. That story is is something I'm not super familiar with, but obviously they've been trying to get the Whalers back. They 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 still talk about the Whalers. Um, it's like a lot of people still haven't given up on the Whalers out there in Hartford. So, um, I think his name's Ned Lamont. Ned Lamont. Ned Lamont. Uh, Ned. The, yes. The governor. Ned. Governor Ned. Uh, I've you know I lived in Connecticut. Uh, in the eighties for, uh, for several years. Um, and, uh, as far as the whalers go, you know, if all of the people who claim to love the whalers now had supported them back then, they would never have moved. Uh, but yeah, I've been surprised, frankly, that like legitimate, allegedly legitimate news outlets are running with this as if it's a possibility. I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that, the, that an NHL team's coming back to Hartford. You know, the building is a dump. Yeah, I, I know. I worked there a few times. Right, I broadcast right. from there. 
it's, so you it's know scary, that. I, honestly. I love watching games in that building because it's the sight lines are great. It's a the it's it's a steep uh, like the Boston Garden used to be. Uh, you know, a steep uh, climb up to the top. Great sight lines, but it's old and falling apart. They haven't kept pace with uh, with w- how it needs to be. Uh, can to- I give Can I give context on the store and a story for this? When I did a broadcast, when I was in college, actually, so this was a few years ago, I was up where the catwalk is, where they have the broadcasters, which, by the way, is literally just held up by cables and it shakes and it's very scary if you're afraid of heights, which I'm not, but I was that day because it did not feel sturdy at all. I, when I got off the catwalk, I went to go to the bathroom on that top level and my foot fell through the floor. And I don't know. It was like there was carpet covering a hole and my foot went through the floor and I had to pull it back out really quickly because I was like, I don't know where that goes. And and I never found out where the hole went, but I ran to the bathroom, came back out and I was like, guys, I just fell through the floor. <laughs> that's that's kind of what we're, we're talking about with um, the shape of that building in, in different places. They're just like, I guess they're just covering holes with carpet at this point. <laughs> Yeah, and you know when you consider that, uh, you know, the NCAA champion UConn Huskies, men and women, that's their big uh, venue. Uh, well, now they actually just got um, the the new um, center they just built. What the heck's it called? Uh, Toscana Family Ice Forum, which I did a broadcast at, at the end or during the playoffs when they when they first opened it. Um, it's really nice. So I don't I don't know how much they're gonna be playing over in Hartford anymore. They they have this really new, beautiful facility that has its own issues, I will say, um, that they're kind of working on. Cause that a lot of these buildings aren't designed by people who know hockey. So let's just say they had some logistical issues with where they have the replay and, and everything yeah. and um, things like that. But I'm not yeah, sure how much they're actually gonna play over in Hartford now. The referees have to go out in the parking lot to look at the uh, <laughs> essentially, you know, don't they? Yeah, uh, it, they have to go way back. Yeah, yeah. No. I I went to a game there uh, in uh, I think it was in February, and uh, it's a great building. But yeah, yeah the sight line this there's some questionable sight lines, and, and the video setup is not great. Uh, but you know, hockey aside, you know the NCAA championship basketball men's team plays at the Hartford at the uh what's the name of it now Excel Center Excel yeah. Center mm-hmm. you know that's they got to do better <laughs> with the money that they the basketball money that they get uh you know you'd think that they would uh keep up with maintenance but they haven't and you know that's probably it's not obviously it's not the U- University of Connecticut's responsibility to uh yeah. fix up the building that's owned by the city of Hartford so uh, that's that's another story for another time. But the whole so, whalers thing. Like now the, the governor, story came out of it. This didn't the story come out of Ned Lamont legitimately had a meeting with Gary Bettman or with. No, ownership. he said he said, I, I, I'd like to have a meeting with Gary mm-hmm. Bettman. And yeah. like I said, these legitimate the AP wrote a story based off that that basically said, well, he's going to meet with Gary Bettman. And, and my response was, well, wait a minute. Does Gary Bettman know this? <laughs> Gar- is, Gary, is Gary Bettman going to take time out during the, you know, the stretch run of the Stanley Cup playoffs here to meet with Ned Lamont? 
to talk about the Hartford Whalers? I, it is actually I don't think so. it is important for him to find a, a new location for Arizona. I guess that is a very big deal, but obviously Hartford doesn't make all that much sense. I know Ned yeah. Lamont is a big hockey fan because he was at a game I broadcast the Harvard Yale men's game. He was, you know, we had special security that day actually um, <laughs> for him to come watch because he went to both Harvard and Yale. Well, I mean, there's a half dozen better options than Hartford for uh, you know, yeah, Houston, Salt Lake City, Quebec City. You know, there's there's a bunch of them. Uh, Kansas City has Kansas a building City. ready to go. <laughs> so you know, the, I, I'm I'm gonna be curious to see how this Hart, whole Hartford thing plays out because uh, it seems like uh, old Ned is like uh, playing with the heartstrings of the of yeah. the Whalers fans. You know, by yeah throwing this out there as if it's a legitimate possibility. And I don't think for a second that it is, but uh, Hey, I could be wrong. Connecticut is a good hockey state, but I just don't think they're getting that NHL team back. No, no. I mean, they have Quinnipiac. Just, just be happy to have these, these great college hockey teams that they have two two national championships in men's hockey in the last 10 years. You know, Boston can't say that, you know, uh, so they got that going for them, but yeah. uh, the Whalers, no. <laughs> Scott, did you have any anything else for for Mark? No, I'm good. So I I got to get your opinion real quick though, Mark. On I'd be remiss if we didn't, and um, we just got a few minutes left here. But of course, we haven't asked you your opinion on on how the Boston Bruins season ended, and I just I just wanted to see if you. <laughs> If you liked the, if you were trepidatious about the Florida matchup to start with, and for a lot of reasons we discussed in this podcast along the way, you know, just the lack of meaningful games, the lack of consistent line combinations, guys on injured reserve, guys coming up from the depth. There's, there's a lot of inconsistencies where by the time the playoffs came around, it just seemed like the Bruins roster was a melting pot of incredible talent, but it just the coaching staff just seemed confused on what what buttons to push what guys so there were reasons i think to in hindsight to be concerned about the bruins in the first round against the florida team that was playing well you have the pressure of the president's trophy and, and the media talking about that and kim neely himself even said he thinks that crept into the room so i guess where did where did this playoff loss rank for you in in just over the years of bruins playoff disappointments and did you possibly see anything like this happening or did you think they're just too good to knock it out of the first round at least? I thought they were too good. Uh, like a lot of people, I didn't see a team that was going to beat Boston four four times in a seven game series. Uh, but I think in hindsight, they should have given more rest to key players, obviously. Uh, Bergeron should not have played in that Montreal game. Allmark should have gotten more rest. They should have brought Bussy up and given him some games to ease the workload on uh, on those other two guys. Uh, and you know the the way they ran away with it. You know, looking back on it now, I, I don't think it's any revelation to say that they lost their edge, their competitive edge was lost. I think in all those games at the end that didn't mean anything and in which they, they just rolled over these teams. 
when the playoffs started and, you know, in so many of those games against Florida, Florida just played so much harder than Boston did uh, that it ended up, it ended up biting them. And I mean, I still, I can't believe that they were ahead by a goal in game seven with one minute left and they, they couldn't find a way to finish that. Uh, so I, you know, I don't think, so I go way back, obviously. I, it wasn't as bad as 1971. You guys are probably like, oh, 1971, holy crap. How old is this guy? Uh, but uh, I think 71 was worse, but uh, but this was bad. And uh, yeah, I'm curious to see, this is the kind of trauma that can affect an organization for, you know, several years going forward. So we're going to see what what effect this has. Uh, one one uh, point I, I I would make here is that so Kevin Dean was the defensive coach, the defenseman the last few years under uh, under Butch. He left at the end of last year. Now was he fired or did he leave on his own? I I've heard both. Uh, if Kevin Dean is coaching the defense in this series, Boston wins that series. I'm, I'm going to say that flat out. Uh, and Kevin, Kevin was in Providence for a long time with Butch, and Kevin's a friend of mine. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm giving my guy uh, uh, his props here. But I, I just think that Kevin would have, uh, would have helped. To, uh, to figure out whatever was going wrong there with the D in the last few games. They were so bad, and they just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I don't think that happens if Kevin Dean is, the, is around. Uh, you know, he's only one guy. But uh, anyway, that's my thought. I, I, don't, uh, I don't know John Gruden at all. Uh, I don't know what kind of a coach he is uh, or anything like that. But... Uh, I'll take Kevin Dean, uh, you know, any day of the week uh, as to coach my D. Um, and I think, uh, I think they really missed him in that, uh, in that, you know, first round. Yeah. See, that's interesting because that's kind of like, that's, you can give us that perspective. We didn't really even know that that, cause we've had the conversation about Bruce Cassidy and his coaching experience. Would he have been able to move the pieces in the playoffs? You know, obviously that is a big, uh, just nobody knows what would have happened if Cassidy stayed here. But talking about the defense, we, we didn't really know that much. Come, um, You know, what else the Bruins lost off their coaching staff when uh, the turnover happened uh, in last regular season. So that that is interesting to hear. Because, I mean, really, we were just finding so many little things that could have been different for this team to have made it past the first round because it was they had so many chances there were so many little things that I mean that that definitely could have been one of them if they had made some different coaching decisions with the defense in particular so well um, and if you if you look at you know the timing uh you know Kevin left the Bruins before Butch was fired now I don't know like I said I don't know if uh Kevin decided he'd had enough 
or whether the Bruins decided that they or Butch decided that they've had they'd had enough of Kevin. Yeah. There was a point in the season last year, if you all remember, when they had a tough time on D one game and Butch sent Kevin to the ninth floor like like healthy scratched him <laughs> to watch the next game. You know, That's I, interesting. I think I've never heard I've never heard of that of of a coach maybe it's ha- it's probably happened you know and you, and you don't really hear about it cuz you know maybe the media or whoever don't put two and two together like why wasn't this guy on the bench when when he normally is uh but you know so i don't know if kevin i, I don't know exactly what happened there at the end of last year whether whether uh, Kevin decided it was time or the Bruins decided it was time. But I, I, what I do know is that the D would have been better this year uh, with, uh, with Kevin running the show mm-hmm. as he had previously. And yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that guys like Connor Clifton, is Connor Clifton an NHL defenseman if, if he's not coached in the minors by Kevin Dean and, uh, and in the NHL too? Does Charlie Mac Charlie McAvoy obviously is a first round draft pick, right? You can't question his credentials, but does he step in and be as good as he is, as good as he was, as fast as he was, without a coach like like Dino, uh, kind of guiding him, you know, this way and that? I I don't know that this I can't answer that, but all I know is Kevin was a is it a tremendous coach. Uh, for any young uh, defenseman coming up. Yeah, I think, it, you know, my understanding is like that situation last year got to a point where like it was pretty clear Cassidy and Dean weren't, they weren't going to continue together. And, but you're right with like the timing. It, it kind of feeds the idea that the Bruins initially right after the season weren't planning to fire Cassidy. And it probably took some meetings with players to get there because you're right. Like they, they let him make the change. Like obviously he was involved in that. And you do wonder, you know, Montgomery kept the, the rest of the coaching staff in place. Would he have also kept Kevin Dean if he, if he was still around? So, well, um, and this uh, is there going to be like a on some uh, <laughs> late on Friday afternoon uh, in the coming weeks? Is there going to be a release from the Bruins that uh, you know changes on the coaching staff? This guy or that guy is is leaving, and you know parting ways as they say uh now mm-hmm. instead of just fired uh i don't know are they gonna go you know they're gonna go with the same coaching staff uh, into next year I, I i'm interested to see i'll be surprised if if uh they're all the same faces behind the bench there uh starting next year yeah because part of the idea with montgomery and gruden was to get more offense out of the de and and during the regular season they definitely did i mean you know, yeah. points from defensemen no jumped question. jumped way up, but even that dried up in the playoffs. So it's like, well, if that's going to dry up, then you got to at least take care of business in in your own zone, and that wasn't happening either. So, yeah, well, kind of think, kind of all fell apart. You know, I think uh, Joe Sacco was very well respected as as an assistant coach. Uh, I don't think Chris Kelly's going anywhere. Uh, goalie Bob obviously is is safe. Uh, John Gruden. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, 
like I said, I would be surprised if they go into next season with the exact same coaching staff that they finished uh, a couple of weeks ago with. I mean, I will say, like, there was one play, one play just jumps out of my mind that just depicts how awful the D was in that series. And it's, I believe it was game six early on when Clifton was just inside his own blue line. It was like a, it was more of a neutral zone regroup, but he was just inside his own D zone. And I, I believe it was Taylor Hall was was swinging wide on the right on the right wing boards, and he had nobody on him. Simple, simple twenty foot pass, right? And Clifton decides to go right up the middle into about a crowd of. It looked like the Taylor Swift concert this weekend. That's how many people were in center ice. And then and, and I watch that, and I say to myself, I don't care if you have if you have Dean or or Gruden or Ronald McDonald as your D coach, like that, that's just a play that you cannot make. And so there was definitely just, I, I inexplainable poor decision-making that from the, from the defense, you, you score five goals in the road in game six, you have to win that hockey game. So it was very strange for me to see a Boston Bruins team bow out in the playoffs because of a lack of defense in past years. It's been maybe the offense dried up like Carolina last year, the Bruins just didn't have the, they were just a couple forwards short, and but this year they 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 scored enough goals in that series to win. And the defense and goaltending clearly, and it's team defense, right? Not just the defenseman, but just that that side of the of the play just really let them down in the series. Well, and it's it's details, it's it's the little details, you know, like that pass. Uh, we haven't seen this is a, has been a team over the the last year, two years that was always very detail-oriented. They, they got those little things right most of the time. As the series went on with Florida, they just kept getting those details wrong. And uh, it, it – I mean, that that sixth game, that's that was a nightmare, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but then Jim I, Montgomery said after that it was a great hockey game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, uh, right. Uh, I, <laughs> That was that was a head scratcher. That mm-hmm. that quote, but uh, I mean, what do you say after a game like that? What do you say? <laughs> yeah, anything but that. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe Brian's onto something, and Ronald McDonald is on the coaching staff staff next year. <laughs> wow, they play like a bunch of clouds back there. So, <laughs> oh god.